Hi, I'm Bethany Albertson. I'm an associate professor at University of Texas, and I'm here today with Amy Erica Smith, who's an associate professor at Iowa State University. Um, I've done some looking into uh, loser's consent, the idea that one of the things that keeps democracy going is the fact that the losers accept the loss is legitimate. And I was so interested, Amy Erica, in the research I saw on your website that looks at winner's consent. Um, could you give us an idea of what winner's consent is and, and the scope of your research? Yeah, Bethany, thank you so much for asking me about this. So uh, the paper that to which you're referring is a paper with uh, Matthew, uh, with Molly Cohen and Matthew Layton and Mason Mosley. Uh, it's forthcoming in the American Journal of Political Science. Uh, it's a paper about the 2018 election in Brazil. So I'm uh, a lot of my research focuses on Brazil, and we uh, were curious about how attitudes toward democracy were going to influence and also be influenced by Brazil's 2018 election. Going into the election, it was clear that this um, sort of fringe member of Congress named Jair Bolsonaro was going to become uh, a major figure in the election. And we wanted to know uh, how the presence of this uh, sort of right-wing populist authoritarian candidate in the election was going to shape uh, public opinion about democracy, uh, we thought it could potentially be really derailing. Uh, so what we found was that going into the election, um, people who at the outset before the election campaign ever got started, who uh, expressed low support for democracy, all of them were really attracted to Jair Bolsonaro. So we found a really strong correlation between uh, all sorts of different democratic attitudes, um, at the outset and subsequent support for Bolsonaro. But what we also found was that the just experiencing this election with this authoritarian candidate um, changed people's attitudes about democracy. So uh, the paper that you're talking about focuses mostly on winners. And what we found was that people who supported Bolsonaro, they on the one hand, they got more supportive of democracy. Um, at least like ostensibly sort of giving lip service, you could say, to democracy. So they were much more likely to say that, for instance, they thought the democracy was the best system of government. And that was really because, you know, the person they like won, they, they liked won the election. Um, so they were more ostensibly supportive of democracy, but they were also way more supportive of um things like coups, uh, self-coups. So uh, agreeing with statements such as that uh, it would be okay for the president to shut down Congress and govern by himself without Congress. Uh, so they were basically willing to sort of conditionally say that democracy was a good thing once their candidate won, but that didn't really extend to deeper political attitudes. So I'm curious, Bethany, you've done lots and lots of research on these kinds of democratic attitudes in the United States. How would you see this playing out in uh, across different contexts in different states in the U.S.? Well, that's so interesting, uh, Amy Erica, about uh, the research uh, that you're presenting is this theme of the ability to use democratic processes to further non-democratic objectives, right? And it, it yeah. makes you think that um, democracy, well, and we know this, but it's worth saying, democracy isn't one simple thing. It has lots of flavors and lots of varieties. And so 
it, it's worth uh, thinking about when we have candidates who are not as committed to democratic principles. Um, for instance, the research I did with Kim Geiler that was in Research and Politics um, showing that vote rigging allegations would undermine losers' consent. Um, more recently, there was research by Brendan Nyan and colleagues that got written up in The Atlantic showing that when candidates use that rhetoric themselves, it undermines um, uh, democratic functioning. And, and, and so it's, it's interesting to think about the ways popularly elected leaders can use democracy to undermine, um, uh, you know, very close to home now in Texas, we have um, politicians using their platforms to make voting, to make democracy more difficult. Um, and, and it's interesting to think of the have and have nots, the way I think of it in, in US politics. In some ways we have this abundance of democracy and, and in other ways, people are campaigning for the basic right to vote. Um, uh, it's, it's to think about the um, election in New York um, and the debate over, um, you know, single transferable vote and different kind of voting systems. It seems like we can have democratic excess at the same time, not to say that's excessive, right? But um, lots of, of options at the same times we have undermining of, of more basic uh, rights. Yeah, that's that's such an interesting and important point, Bethany. So going forward, how do you think uh, democratic attitudes will change in the future? Oh, I wish I knew. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, um, I'm optimistic. Are um, you? I like that. I like that. Let's go with that. <laughs> <laughs> 